itself with the verse 13, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'd like to pick up with verse 14 this morning. I'll put it on the screen for us um, and read those last six verses that finish chapter 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Wow. This passage is often used for the basis of of the church, big branch church, all churches, being a missionary or an outreach. I'm going to have to take this thing out. I can't waller it around anymore. I've got a cough drop in, and it's if it isn't driving you crazy, it is me. Um, for the church to be an outreach, and rightfully so, um, But its first application was to the nation of Israel. And the only way that unbelieving Jews or unbelieving Gentiles can be saved is by calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the context. Verse 13 is the context for that passage. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he tells us, how shall they call? How shall they be saved? Was Israel, you know, did they hear? He answers, yes, indeed. And he goes through 
all of that. And I don't care what anyone else preaches from a pulpit. I don't care what Oprah said on national TV about the message or anyone else that you may look up to or think right about. Believing the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and putting your faith and trust in Christ is the only way to go to heaven when you die. And if you do not trust Christ, you will go to hell. It's that simple. That's what Paul's saying in this passage. And... These folks did not obey the gospel. He was speaking to the Romans that were Christians in, or in Rome, to, to the Jews that were Christians in Rome in this letter, and he was telling that the nation of Israel had not obeyed the gospel. They, in fact, rejected the gospel. And that, that was obvious. Was it part of God's plan? I'm not God. I just know what happened. And obviously they rejected. Christ was crucified by the rejection. And in turn, Gentiles had the opportunity to be saved. That's the whole gist of this passage of Scripture, and I could quit right now. But in order to believe, Paul said they must hear the word of God. For it is the word, the word, that creates both conviction and faith in the heart of the sinner and those that hear the word of God. If, if you read what he said for yourself. We can think it's built on emotion. We can think it's built on speaking in tongues. We can think it's built on faith healing. We can think that that's all comes from a whole lot of different things that have been promoted in religious circles. The fact of the matter is, Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. Point blank dot. All these others are a lead up, are ambiance. Yes, to what is called worship. And that's great, and I'm not condemning or putting it down. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. They had not obeyed. They, they rejected. And the remedy that Paul is writing is to rejecting Jewish people. And he shows here that there must be messengers of the gospel who have the credentials and are called by God. Understanding it is the Lord that does the sending. We have folks in Rome today ministering to the Muslim population that has been an influx from Africa and, and Iran and all over the Mideast. 
We have folks in Africa that this church supports as missionaries today that are dealing with those folks that have never heard the gospel before. We have folks on Marshall University's campus that we support giving the gospel to young people that are there and, and that maybe have, we live in an unchurched world that maybe they've never heard the truth. They know what religion is, but they don't, they know what adultery is, but maybe they don't know the truth of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We have folks on Ohio State campus and, and minister to Bowling Green University that are ministering the gospel. We have the city missions uh, that, that we support. And, and the CMO that we support as a church, and I'll forget somebody for sure, but that is all part of an outreach with a means to an end, and the end is the gospel to those that are in need of a Savior. And the folks ask all that, you know, it, it's important to hear what Paul says in this passage, that an understanding it is the Lord who does the sending. It is the Lord who calls these people. They're, they're not mama called and papa sent, and, 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 and it's God that calls. Jacob was called. We didn't just lose a friend. We lost a young preacher that, that I don't know about everybody else, but I had a whole lot of high hopes for. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been to a lot of weddings Seven years or eight ago, however long it was, I heard the most powerful testimony and message of the gospel from that young man that I've ever heard anywhere. We lost a deacon. We lost a friend. I'll never forget the last time he sat two seats behind Linda, the last time he was here. And I called on him to pray when we left, and I patted him on the shoulders. I left, and when he walked out that door, he said, I love you. It's the gospel that is, the world is in need of. And it's the truth from the word of God that needs to be preached. Everything else is just sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. It's the gospel. It's why we're a church. It's why we come here on Sunday morning. It's why we take up an offering to be able to spread the gospel. And Paul says, how can they hear unless they have a preacher? And how can he preach unless he is sent? And, and there's folks that make light of that. And, and it's very important and crucial for folks and for churches to, to support and send out preachers and missionaries to, to the world and in our own Judea, our own home cities with the gospel it's why we go to FCA on sun, or on two or three days a week, Michael goes, in order to take the gospel to those kids in the public school system, and God knows they need it. It's about the gospel. Folks ask all the time, young preachers ask all the time, is it a God-called position? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you, the, you better be careful about touching God's anointed and the scripture gives heed to those that are called to preach. And I'm not saying that for my benefit. I'm saying that for your benefit. 
They ask, Acts 13, 1 through 3, I'll give you the scripture. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, notice the, the verse, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I don't take light when someone tells me that they've been called to preach. And they better not take light of that either because God will stay after them until they get to where they're supposed to be. He has a ministry somewhere for them to be involved in. Then having prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Pastors and preachers are called by God and this preaching of of psychology and philosophy and political jargon does not lead to salvation. Nor does it change the lives or have the power to change the lives of individuals. Our churches are so messed up across this country right now, they're in sad state because they simply are not preaching a message of salvation by grace through faith on Sunday morning, and it's all wrapped around something else instead of the preaching of the gospel. I'm telling you right now, I start getting eerie feelings when we go weeks without having people saved in this church. There's something wrong because it's the gospel that we're here to speak. We as a church are responsible for taking the gospel to people. And it may be good counsel, but I'm telling you right now, it will not keep your friends, it will not keep your family, it will not keep your loved ones out of hell when they die. What's going on in the churches around this country? It is a, it, it, it's a wonderful thing we are told here about the beauty of spreading the gospel. He calls the feet, I don't know about your feet, but I, I you know. He says they're beautiful are the feet of those that go spread the gospel. I'll take my shoes off and show you. I got pretty feet. They might not be pretty to look at, but according to God, they're They're beautiful. Beautiful is the feet of those that spread the gospel. And and we live in a day with more opportunity than ever before in history to take the gospel to the lost around our community, around our world. And internet streaming, Facebook, podcasts, all have taken what used to be a very costly venture. I can remember when a large majority of the church that I was assistant pastor in, a large majority of our uh, budget was simply to be on the radio and on television with, with, with commercials and whatnot. And now 
uh, one can reach the masses. We're doing it now, streaming live to living rooms all across the United States and around the world. I get, I get texts from people all over the world. And how, I don't even know how they got my phone number. I guess it's, it's somewhere on, on our website. Or, but I get these from preachers asking, you know, telling, thank you for your message. Would you like to support us in India? You know, and all these different stuff. But it's, it's changed the way that we can reach the masses, and that needs to be promoted. And however, let me stop. It is not a substitute for church, nor was it intended to be. I just, it was designated for the sick, for the unable, for the shut-in, not for the lazy. God still says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It was, it, it. We're, we're just able to go in homes. We're able to go in cars. We're, we're able to go in places of business, even in bar rooms. I've I seen something at a commercial that one of our fellow pastors had where it was be, his, his service was being played in the bar room on a Sunday afternoon. Praise God, you know. They need Jesus too. We are... We are able now to go into homes and, and just everywhere. And what? To bring glad tidings and good things. The good news of Jesus Christ to those individuals. Mo, let, let, let me tell you something. Mosaic law was not good news. And it was not the remedy either, by the way. Um, for their rejection of Christ the Messiah. It was the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are more doors open for the gospel right now than ever before. And the reason that churches are not seeing people saved is the gospel. It's just, it's not being spread there. And it's sad. We've lost our compass I just don't know any other thing to say about it. And there, there's, there's no unsaved people in the pews. You can't have people saved in a service if all you're ministering to is, is saved people. It's your responsibility and mine as a Christian to bring in the lost, invest and invite, and and. My, you know what our attitudes become in most churches? Well, my family is in, and that's all I care about. Us four no more is what that's called. I'm glad us four no more is in. Let everybody else die and go to hell. Shame on the world. Shame on the church. Shame on the people in the church. Somebody cared about you, and somebody cared about me is the reason that I got saved. And they brought me to church. Actually took me to a funeral where I got my ears burned. Verse 18 says, Their sound went unto all the earth. And let me go on record this morning. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 is a command to every Christian to go you into all the world and preach the gospel. That means at work, 
That means on the job. That means at the grocery store. That means any time there is opportunity, you need to be witnessing to your friends, your family, the unsaved that God puts in your path. And your prayer every morning ought to be, God, lead me to someone today that needs to hear about Jesus. And don't just give them your penny ante philosophy. Give them the word because it's faith that cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I, I, I had the opportunity two or three weeks ago to take a young lady in my office on a Wednesday evening. And you say, well, what would you tell her? I said, I didn't tell her nothing. I got God's word out. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's, it's the gospel and God's word that leads to that conviction and that salvation. I got a request. You know, you, you, you think about it. And, and, and I don't really think Paul was, you know, talking about technology here, but it sure applies. It, it, it sure TV and radio and Facebook, their word went everywhere, email you got unsaved family somewhere? Send them the gospel through an email. Tell them you love them. Afraid they're going to die and go to hell if they don't trust Christ. And give them the gospel. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because that will convict. That will speak love into their heart. You say, well, I'm afraid I'll run them. Where are you going to run them? To a second hell? I don't want to offend them. You'll wish you'd offended them whenever they're dead and gone and in hell. The means that we have. I got a request this week from the Billy Graham Association to visit someone in this area, um, the South Point area, that was saved via an internet broadcast of Franklin uh, when he was holding a revival in California last week. Don't tell me that, that that media will not work. It does. Thousands of people. You say, yeah, but what's that profession? The same as yours and mine. People belittle folks getting saved by standing in an in a aisle or by uh, being dealt with through the Internet. That profession is no different than yours and mine. It becomes the responsibility of this church and every other church to disciple them and follow up. And I'll tell you right now, Billy Graham's association does a better job at it than anybody I've ever dealt with. They're just, they, they follow up with those folks that make professions of faith and put the responsibility on us to, if it's in this area. We partner with them in that mission. Their words went to all the ends of the earth, Paul stated, and sh so should ours. Ours, we, we are left here for a purpose. Oh, if we could get the church to understand that, to reach our friends and family and loved ones with the gospel. The rejection, or the results of this rejection was marvelous grace. If you look at verses 19 through 21, it says when it, it tells us that when Israel rejected the Messiah, 
God sent the gospel message to the Gentiles. Paul quotes Isaiah 65.1, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. And even Isaiah was prophesying of a Gentile salvation way back when. Taking the message of Christ to the lost and dying world that is not seeking him is the responsibility of the church. And every Christian that professes to know him is responsible for the same mission. Every Christian. We lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that that unsaved person that you live with, that unsaved person that is your family, that unsaved person that is your co-worker, that lady or that man that you walk into and stumble upon in Lowe's that says, have a good day. Yeah, you like to hear the good news? You say, you do that places? I do if I get the opportunity. The Holy Spirit prompts. I witnessed to my best friend who owned a half a dozen liquor stores all over the state of West Virginia. He was my best friend, one of my best friends. In Lowe's. He said, Bob, you need to trust Christ before it's too late. You know the truth. The gospel needs to go everywhere that we go when we have the opportunity and are prompted by the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't know what to say. How'd you get saved? I prayed and asked Christ, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. Then tell them that, your experience. Because it saved you and it'll save them. Christ died for you. Put your faith and trust in him. Have you ever stopped, though, to think, you know, how that God is still reaching out? This was written to Israel. And, and, and he says, how all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Michael nailed it. Sinners and sufferers. Sinners and sufferers. And this passage is not only to Israel. But it's the entire world. Have you ever stopped to think. How tiresome and how hard it is to hold your hands out for a long period of time. I'm feeling weary right now, and I've only been there about 20 seconds. All the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You want a picture of our God? There's you a picture of who God is. Suffers and sinners. I'm, I'm going to steal that, Michael. I already have. And I love that. He's just holding his hands out. He's not mad at you. He misses you. 
He wants you in the fold. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you to prove it so that you could have salvation. Try this sometime. You want a picture of who God is and how loving. Aaron and her had to hold up Moses' arms in the book of Exodus. I don't know what chapter, but had to prop them up because if he put his hands down, they started losing the battle. God doesn't have to have anybody prop his hands up. He's holding them out, outreached to sinners and sufferers, not willing that any should perish. No one fully understands or comprehends how gracious our God is. God is so long-suffering and not that willing that any should perish. Underline any. That's you. Anyone should perish. It's what Peter told us. But that all should come to repentance. All. A double L. It's not God's plan for anybody to go to hell. In fact, if you read it and understand it fully, God's already got everybody's name in the book of life written there. There's ever born, ever will be born, ever should be born. And their name is blotted out if they don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you understand what he's really saying in the book of Revelation. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's a good thing, though, I'm not running the show here on earth. <laughs> I just marvel at the long-suffering and the patience of God. I, I, I don't mean to be irreverent, but <laughs> I'd make a lot of changes. I'd start in the Middle East with that bunch of people that are persecuting God's people. I'd, after I got finished over there, I'd start in Washington, D.C. with that irreverent bunch, unsaved hypocrites that equate conservative Christians to murdering Taliban. And by the way, that's a, a Republican for those of you that want to know. Those that equate and calling parents terrorists because they don't want their child taught the garbage that's being dreamed up by pagans and bureaucrats in D.C. Parents in this room better decide to investigate and, and vote for Christians to run for local office. It's, it's, it's not good enough anymore because what's happening in big cities right now is going to come to roost in Chesapeake, South Point, and Proctorville before it's over with. You say, I, I don't know, preacher. Hey, my daughter and son-in-law 
had to pull my 12-year-old granddaughter out of public school in Lexington, Kentucky and put her in a Christian school because of the garbage that we're seeing on national news. You say, there you are, delving in. I'm not delving in politics. I'm delving in hard Christianity that's going to affect our homes and our churches. I have a dozen superintendents of schools that are personal friends of mine. I've, I've built their, in charge of building their buildings. I know them personally. And I understand what violence is. But speaking out is not violence. Our country's lost its compass. It happens here. Go ask the superintendent of Jackson City Schools that we built their buildings about what they did because they had a picture of Christ in the stairway. It's coming home. If we don't take the gospel and get it back in charge as Christians, we've buried our head in the sand way too long about what we ought to be doing. There's one hope for this country. He's not a blonde-headed guy that's got a hotel on the beach in Florida either. The one hope is the man that died on that cross for our sins and taking the gospel of Christ to the folks everywhere. That's it. And if you want to turn this country around, you want to turn your neighborhood around, you want to turn your school system around, just start witnessing and leading those people to Christ. It will make a difference, one by one. I thank God he's long-suffering. I thank God that he's holding out his arms. I thank God that he's in the business of helping the suffering. I sat on my porch and talked to Vic for an hour the other day. I went and seen Dave, his grandpa, I don't understand everything. And I don't pretend to be. There's just a whole heck of a lot that's above my pay scale. But one thing I know, he's got a plan and everything he does is right. I'll never understand my 20 years of hiatus not in ministry, and I can only live with the what could have been done if I hadn't got out of church for 20 years. I live with that guilt.
God's been good to me. He saved my alcoholic dad that I could count on one hand. One hand the number of times I've seen him sober. I'm going to witness to your unsafe family members. I'm going to go to the hospitals once we can to your unsaved loved ones. Because to be quite honest with you, that's their only hope. And that's your only hope. How can they believe if we don't sin? And what will they preach if it's not the Word of God and the Gospel? Let's stand.